With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey everyone, I'm Rohan Nakrini. Welcome to a very special edition of Open Floor. Uh, today on the show, I'm talking to one of my all-time favorite basketball players. People who listen to this podcast know I'm a Miami Heat fan. And it just so happens we have a Miami Heat legend uh, with us today. He's also an author, a father, a producer, an 11-time All-Star, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer, and a two-time NBA champion. Chris Bosch is here with us. Chris, how's it going, my man? Oh, man. Beautiful day. Uh, the summer's almost here. Things are getting starting to kind of reboot. You know, it's, uh, it's great. It's a good time to be alive, man. Uh, Well, that's great to hear. Uh, We're going to do something special today. We're going to do a deep dive into Game 6 of the 2013 NBA Finals, one of the craziest, most memorable, best NBA games of the last decade of all time, frankly. Uh, Before we dive into Game 6, you wrote a book, Letters to a Young Athlete. It's a fantastic book. Um, You've been talking so much about it, and it's really beautiful. It's really well done. It's been out for a little bit now. Can you tell me a little bit, what's the response been like? What's the reaction been like now that the book is out in the world? <laughs> um, people have been kind in their response. I will say that I, I'm kind of, I, I'm, I, I don't deal with compliments very well, uh, but it has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I've had moms of their children, you know, uh, you know, saying that they're going to give their kids this book because I have young athletes and I read your book. I'm reading or I'm reading your book rather. And this is so great. They need something like this. And, and you know, that was the intent of uh, of writing the book. I, I have, um, you know, such a special place in my heart for trying to really just for seeing youth evolve and not only youth, because I know it says young athlete on there, but this is for everybody. It's uh, it contains a universal message. Um, these are things that I felt helped me. Uh, throughout my success in my career. And I want to share my story. And uh, a lot of it is just, 
really, really thinking deeply and getting to a point where we had something and then it, man, the physical book actually happened. And now I'm just hoping to get it in as many hands as, um, as possible. Well, I got to be honest, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to hear that so many people have loved your book because I write stuff every day and no one seems to care that much. Here you are, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you, you theoretically don't do this for a living and you've already written a whole ass book. You know, I've, I've written a couple of little magazine articles, but not a book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so. It was a process, man. It was a process. It took uh, three years. It was a three year process. It was a grind and it still is, you know, it's mm-hmm. going um, I'm learning so much about um, uh, um, um, publishing, the book publishing business mm-hmm. and things that have to happen and what makes or hopefully makes a successful product in that area. So, you know, I'll uh, I'll be able to give you some pointers, hopefully. <laughs> I'm sure all you got to do is put your mind to it, man. The minute you decide, like, yo, this is what I'm going to do, it's over. Well, I really appreciate that. <laughs> like I said, the book genuinely uh, is great. I encourage everyone uh, to pick up a copy. It's called Letters to a Young Athlete. And also, if you can, pick it up at a local bookstore, especially after, you know, the year we've been through. Pick it up at a local bookstore. Absolutely. Me, personally, I will be going to Skylight Books in Los Angeles. It's not an ad, but it's just in my local bookstore. <laughs> you know, go pick it up. All right, Chris. So I wanted to do something a little different. You know, you've been doing a lot of interviews for this book. Rightfully so. You've talked a lot about the book. But I was like, I want Chris to pick a game from his career something for us to really dive deep into. Now, you did something great, which was you picked game six. I just want to throw out some honorable mention games that you could have also picked. Okay. Some, of my, some of my personal favorite Chris Bosch performances. Uh, game seven of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. You were battling an injury against Boston that year. You come <laughs> in and you hit three threes in game seven. Yeah, Doc was Rivers wasn't ready for it. Doc Rivers was not ready for it after the game. He's like, Chris Bosch is hitting threes. What are you going to do? It's like, listen, Doc, the man can shoot, all right? Uh, another game against the Spurs, but it's actually a regular season one. Uh, 2013, you hit the game winner. And I was home from college that year during spring break watching the game with my dad and my brother. And <laughs> that was a good one. My dad um, yelled, my dad is a normally very quiet man, and he yelled, in your face, Tim Duncan. Yeah, that was, uh, who Who wasn't playing? Um, no, I think I Bron think Wade, and D were out. Yeah, Bron and D Wade were out. Yeah, they were both out. Yeah. And that was a great game. And then that another game one. where LeBron was out, your game winner against Portland in 2014. Another yeah, another classic Bosch moment. So just some other games. If you like me, something I was doing a lot during the pandemic before I got before things have started to get a little bit better, you know, people go back to the things that give them comfort. I would watch a lot of big three <laughs> highlights, a lot of Dwayne Wade YouTube mixes, a lot of Chris Bosh, best game winners, most hype plays. So if you'd That's like to up, see man. some fun Chris Bosh highlights, I recommend those games. But <laughs> we're here to t- talk about game six of the 2013 finals. Allow me to set the scene a tiny bit. Okay. The Miami Heat, the big three was formed three summers earlier. You had lost the 2011 finals to Dallas, but you come back in 2012, you beat Oklahoma City. 2013 was probably the best version of this team. You guys won 27 games in a row during the regular season. It's crazy to look back on the big three now because, you know, you guys were so, so good at your peak, but the the best part about this team was that you guys were fallible. <laughs> was that like... There was a moment every year where it was like, oh, man, these guys might actually lose. <laughs> and, and I say this as a Heat fan, yeah. but that's what made it so captivating. But I want to ask, before we even get into the game, headed into this series, 
you know, you guys obviously had had some tense moments during the playoffs against Indiana, etc. Were you guys confident headed into the 2013 finals? Like, you know, I, I know 2011, I, I did a story with Dwayne Wade his last year, and I got to ask him a, a ton of these kinds of questions. And, you know, I think it's fair to say you guys were a, a kind of a different bunch headed into 2011 before that loss than you were the couple years after. But sure. headed into 2013, were you guys like, oh, we won 27 in a row. We're the shit. We're going to win the, win these finals and, and get two in a row. How confident were you headed into that series? Uh, you, you know, you always have to get confident. You always have to have confidence when you're at that level, right? And, um, you know, for us during that time, um, yeah, the peak uh, of our power is the 27-game win streak, you know, was intact, was wonderful. And, and then right after that, uh, we were pretty much average. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty average after that. So we weren't going into the playoffs with a hot streak. And, and you know, we, we had a tough – I mean, man, those series with Indiana, I mean, you're, you're coming out of that series licking your wounds. Um, you, you know, it was uh, an amazing, amazing – oh, my goodness. Talent, they were a talented team. It was an amazing series. The Indiana fans were always passionate. I mean, every time, you know, they had, we had to beat those guys. And – coming off of that you can gain more confidence and so for myself I wasn't not confident it was just my offense wasn't really Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the time where it's like man I gotta I've got to get back on track a little bit because it's been tough that's the playoffs right and and my job was always to figure out how I could fit in uh, within the context of our offense and you know um, going into the Spurs series we knew first we were just happy to be back um, we always understood how hard and how tough it is to be able to get, um, you know, to call yourself a playoff team. So when we actually got back there, it's like, okay, it's going back through the motions saying, all right, here we are. This is what we've got to do. We've got a new opponent. All the marbles are on the table. We can anticipate what's going to happen. And oh, yes, Tim Duncan and Popovich and, <laughs> And, and Ginobili and Parker, you know. <laughs> and, and, this, and this Kawhi Leonard guy. Yeah, this, this Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard kid. Yeah, who is yeah. this guy? Who yeah. is he? He's okay. You know, it's, um, it, it turned out to be, you know, just the anticipation. You're always excited and you're always just feeling those nerves and those butterflies um, before everything gets going. Okay. So it's not like me. You didn't think you were going to smoke him. <laughs> oh, no. You no, know, man. you know when it's going to be like, yo. This is going to be I, – I, I, we weren't thinking of how long. You never think of how mm-hmm. long you, you compartmentalize. But we know there is not much room for error in this series because anytime we play them in the regular season, it's a battle. So we knew what we were up for. So headed into game six, the Spurs are up 3-2, obviously. And it had been a weird series up until that point where you guys were trading blowouts yeah, for five straight trading. games. And it was really strange, like – it would be a close game for like two, two and a half quarters, and one team would go on a huge run. And I just want to commend Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy on this podcast, and I'll get into some of the things they said specifically, especially about you. Obviously, you have no idea what they're saying because you're in the game. But I watched the game again last night. To give you an idea of how many times I've seen this game, I actually own game six and seven of the 2013 finals on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. Me yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, Mike Breen is on top of it. Like before the game, they run this graphic about it's been a series of runs, et cetera. Um, 
And game six was the first time you guys actually played a close game in the series. So it's the Spurs are winning 3-2. They're coming off a huge win in San Antonio. Uh, and basically, they run you guys off the floor, right? Yeah. And game six, let's get into it. It starts, and the energy, the level of execution in this game is just, it's crazy to watch. And it's funny, because I watched this, we're recording this on a Monday. I watched this game Sunday night after Clippers-Mavs <laughs> game seven. And... It's crazy to watch this game now and see how much has changed in just the eight years since you guys played this game. Oh, yeah. Where if these two teams played now, you guys would be switching everything. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron would is such a different player. Like the Spurs are dropping on all the pick and rolls, daring right. LeBron to shoot in a way they would not do now. Right. LeBron didn't have his turnaround fadeaway in the post yet, which he hits with such regularity now. And... As a Heat fan, I'm always biased. I'm like, that was the best version of LeBron, and you guys just didn't appreciate him then because everyone hated the big three. Yeah. But you see him now at 36, and it's crazy to see how different this game is. But mm. this is a celebration of Chris Bosh. But before we can even <laughs> celebrate Chris Bosh, I have to bring this up. Tim Duncan. Listen, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the best power forward of all time. For sure. He is working you in this first half, Chris. Or, I'm sorry. He's, I think he starts <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, he had 20, I think he, 22 and 11 or something like I that, think 22 and 10. I think he had 25 <laughs> points in the first 25. half alone. Yeah. He started out 8 for 8, and I think 7 yeah. of those were against you. Now, Spo didn't do you any favors by putting you out there on an island one-on-one. You guys didn't bring any doubles against Duncan, which I get. They had shooting elsewhere on the floor. Yeah. So Spo's putting you on that island, and Duncan, both blocks. It's like... Oh, baseline spin. Oh, He's you working. Take, he, you take away the spin. He goes middle. Paint <laughs> fade away. Other block. Faces you up. Just, yeah. And I'm like, this guy's so old. How is he doing this? I want to know, because there's one moment where he dunks on you a tiny bit, and it looks like he looks back at you. Was he talking to you? Like, what was his demeanor like during this game? Like, is he is he trash talking to you at all? Is he like, no. what what is his demeanor during this game? Tim, he was his... He had the laser focus. Um, he had, had he, he, you know, he was intense. Usually, he's always intense, but they, you could tell that they had gave uh, uh, more uh, of the onus on offense to him at that point. And you know, they obviously noticed something in the film and said, "All right, look, big fella, bring it home." And to be honest with you, well, he doesn't talk. He he never talks smack. You know. Mm-hmm. But he, his physical presence, his strength, his intensity, he, you feel that. Um, and for me, it's just like, yeah, everything I was doing was wrong. <laughs> and, and then, I, and then, if I if I make one little slip, I think I'm that one you're referring to. Um, Boris Diaw had it in the post, and he made a cut. I've never seen him make a cut before, <laughs> and he cut so quick. He like backdoored me. Boris hits him, boom, Duncan. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I am blowing this. You know, we went over this game plan, and he is cooking me. Everybody knows it. I know it. And I just like, you, you know, I went into halftime just like, man, it, it was a gut check. <laughs> it was a gut check. But I have to, you know, that we never wavered. The, the team always had confidence in me. We we had confidence in our situation and you, you can't let it slip at that point. And, and so for me, I had to figure out how to, okay, how, okay. I'm getting killed. How do we stop the bleeding? Mm-hmm. 
and and what can I do just to figure it out on the fly and, and just man just make it up because nothing I'm doing is working right now. I mean, I felt that I was putting him in in, in tough positions. And- to your credit, Van Gundy <laughs> says on the broadcast at one point, he's like, I like what Bosch is doing. I, I, I don't think that you were playing bad defense. I mean, first of all, he's the kind of guy that throughout his career is not someone who he's any any person you put on one on one in the post. I mean, he's having that kind of performance. You guys just couldn't double him because there was so much else going on. Threes, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's really funny watching this game. At one point, it's like sixteen to sixteen with six minutes left in the first quarter, and Mike Breen incredulously is like, "This game might end up in the one twenties." And it's like every game is like that now. Yeah. And it's also just wild to watch how much Spo had LeBron playing off the ball. Like the first play of the game is uh, like you get open for uh, your elbow jumper, you know, D Wade initiates the action and LeBron doesn't touch the ball in the first possession. Like when was the last time you've seen that? Like maybe that game. Maybe oh, wow. Eight years yeah. Ago? I mean, yeah. Soon. I mean, we, we always tried to have that open philosophy mm-hmm. of, okay, getting everybody involved and, and Bron always has it too. Mm-hmm. It's just that the teams after that, <laughs> they're asking him to do way right. more with, 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 with those teams, we could put him in a position where later in the second half of the second quarter, he kind of moves over to point guard, that point forward position with the second group. Mm-hmm. And that's when usually you see him get going. But in the beginning between getting me shots or a shot or two, D-Wade handling the ball and Rio handling the ball, mm-hmm. that's kind of we got into our offense in that kind of way. So I want to talk about Mario Chalmers at one point because I think he – I can't believe I'm saying this. I think he was the Heat's second best player in this game. Um, Look, hey, before before you start, a lot of people Rio won't get his credit. He, he's one. He's a very, very. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me not even try to say no. He's a great player. You can look back at everything he's done. Um, anytime we had a big moment, watch it. He stepped up. Anytime, and in this particular game, he stepped up huge in the second well, half. Well, your guys' best stuff that you were getting in that game was – Van Gundy points this out too. I i don't know why I'm turning this to a Jeff Van Gundy podcast. But <laughs> basically, anytime LeBron is screaming for Chalmers or Chalmers is screaming for LeBron, that, those are the best looks you guys were getting all game because yeah. they're just playing so far off uh, D-Wade. I love Dwayne Wade. You know, I got my Dwayne Wade cover. I wrote this story. It's, it's over my shoulder here. This was not a D Wade game, unfortunately. You know, he hurts his knee in the first quarter, and you know he just never he never finds his jump shot. Uh, Joey Crawford's not giving him any calls. Uh, one thing I wanted to know: it's funny seeing young Spo in this game and how much he's <laughs> changed as a coach. And you know, I've had a couple conversations with him over the years. I don't think he knows who I am, but we've had a couple conversations, and it's. Interesting to hear him talk about his coaching philosophy now and how much it seemed to have changed because of what he went through coaching that team. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could give me some insight into what was his like general demeanor during a game like this? Like, is he trying to play the role of motivator? Is he trying to get you guys focused on X's and O's? Like, how is he kind of how is he kind of managing a situation like this? Because I think he's so different as a coach now. And back then I don't think he had the cachet. He obviously does now. Yeah. I think back then, um, I think we were all not in over our head, but this was our moment of truth, Mm -hmm. right? For everyone, this is our true test. And I think sometimes in that true test, 
you know, that plan, that book of plans and everything you had, you ball <laughs> it up and you throw it in the trash <laughs> for everybody. I think his role, not so much in a, mo- in a motivational factor, every- we were motivated. That's, I mean, you're in the finals. You don't, you know, if you need motivation, then you're in the wrong place. You know, you're probably not going to win. He challenged us um, in particular uh, after that game three beating uh, that we took we found ourselves right away facing a 2-1 deficit on the road with two more home games, you know? I mean, um, excuse me, for, for the Spurs, two more mm-hmm. home games for the Spurs role for us. And so I remember distinctly, he was very animated. And when I say animated, I mean fussing, cussing, and all that stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> more so challenging us just as a team and just saying, yo, this is what we said we were going to do and we're not doing it. CB, you said you was going to do this. Brian, you said you are going to do this. D, you said you were going to do this, and we're not doing this. You know, this is crazy. And, and you know, he said what needed to be said for us to come out there uh, 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 game four and extend, you know, ex- really extend our livelihoods because we knew if we lose that game, this team is going to be really, really tough to beat three times in a row. So let's not put ourselves in that position. Um, but, yeah, moreover, he, he, he was just himself. Um, of course we've all grown, uh, since that period, but you can find yourself when you're just in, when you're in the foxhole, man, sometimes I don't want, I want, I don't want people to, you have your game plan, but like I say, sometimes you just have to use that intuition and and make it up on the fly. Sometimes it's nothing that was just like, okay, we're just going to do some different kind of basketball. We, it was things that was within our characteristics, Uh but you have to adjust and you have to, and, and you have to zig instead of zag sometimes and we found ourselves doing that quite a bit in that series we're gonna get to the last two minutes or so which obviously is you know we could spend hours talking about those last couple minutes alone i just want to ask real quick because they put up a graphic coming out of the the first half and it's like the heat's big three okay and it's like they have uh i think 24 points combined on 21 shot attempts lebron did not have a good first half in this game frankly none of you guys had played pretty well i was looking up the stats Again, I'm coming into this, I'm a Heat fan. It's kind of shocking that you guys won this series. When you <laughs> when you D Wade and LeBron were sharing the floor in this series, the Spurs were killing you guys. I think they had like a seven net rating almost, uh, with yeah. you with you Wade and LeBron on the floor, which is kind of nuts. And coming out of the first half of this game, you guys aren't aren't playing pretty well. And a couple of times throughout the game, like, you know, during a timeout or whatever, you'd see a moment where you, LeBron, and Wade would kind of huddle together, etc. I'm curious, like, how often did you guys, or in that game, do, do you even remember, was there a moment where you, the three of you maybe got together and had a conversation about something? Because it seemed like it would happen every now and then. Like, how much responsibility were you guys putting on yourselves, and, and what would you tell each other in those moments? Well, you know, of course, all the pressure's there, right? Um um, playing the best team you've ever faced before, offensively and defensively, and knowing what you're doing right now is like, all right, we could do better. And if we don't do better, they're going to beat us. Every game. <laughs> Constantly with, with, with the, you know, with the reason for, I think, game two, we won that by in the games. We, they mm-hmm. beat the crap out of us. Um, <clears throat> you know, we were just more so in a position of, like, all right, and I'm, I'm assuming when we were in those huddles, it was no grandiose thing. It's just 
the next possession, um, you know, moving on to the next evolution. That's huge. Those are some things that I mentioned in my book as well, just how important it is to move on to the next thing. And you work up your mind so much to where that's probably what we were talking about. If there was something usually probably if we were huddling up, it was on defense and we're trying to figure out or we've changed something and we're going back over what we're going to do out there on the court because we can't, we found ourselves constantly having to change our, uh, our schemes on those guys. Cause they were just picking everything apart. So we had to every couple possessions, every couple quarters, we, we change um, some things. And so that's probably uh, what we were talking about, especially if I was leading the conversation, <laughs> it was definitely about defense offense. It, it became about um, D and Brian mm-hmm. uh, with the way they played me, um, you know, in our scheme of things, <clears throat> I wasn't a major focal point and you saw how they were guarding. They were packing mm-hmm. the paint, doing all these things. It, it was, uh, it, it was really on them, of course, them being our top two scorers to get going and uh, figure it out. So headed into the fourth quarter, the heater down 10 Doris Burke is a wonderful woman. She only asked the, uh, the coaches one question during their mid mid game interview during this yeah. game. Cause I think even she was like, this seems absurd. Spoh's like, we need the best defensive quarter we've had all season. Um, yep. <laughs> and you guys are down 10. You start with the small lineup. Now this is the best lineup you guys had all series. And mm-hmm. I think you and you and Birdman were a little interchangeable, but it was, it was LeBron. It was Mike Miller. It was Ray. It was Chalmers. And Birdman to start mm-hmm. the fourth. And they go on this big run. They even take the lead. Mm-hmm. You come in for Birdman, and it's really good. Now, Spo brings in D- Dwayne Wade with about four minutes to go, and you guys have taken the lead at this point. And they say on the broadcast, they're like, that's the hardest decision you can make as a coach. When the other I remember Jeff Van Gundy saying that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, there's so many things they say in this broadcast that are like foreshadowing, and it's really crazy to hear them. <laughs> because they're right. As soon as he comes in, the offense just changes, okay? So – I have it all written down. There's a minute 47 left in the game. You guys are up 89, 86, and you've been playing so well in the fourth, it looks like you're going to get this to a game seven, okay? This is what happens. Tony Parker hits one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. He hits a step back three over LeBron off a broken play, ties the game. Yeah. You guys come down the floor. Chalmers turns it over. Tony mm-hmm. Parker comes back. He hits an insane turnaround shot in the paint. On the replay, Rio yeah. is this close to blocking <laughs> it, Okay. Yeah. They go up They go up uh, 91, uh, 89, okay? So five straight points. Come back down, there's a LeBron turnover. And you're like, uh-oh, yeah. is this turning into LeBron? You know, are we seeing some fourth quarter stuff going on here? Uh, they turn it over. You guys foul Manu on a fast break. Now they're up 93, 89, okay? Yep. LeBron comes back down the floor, and it's another turnover. It looks like he's taking a floater, but then he looks at you like that was a lob. Do you remember this play? Because it looked like he was trying to oh, shift the light yeah, on I remember you. It. <laughs> well, so just to kind of back up, when Tony Parker hit that three, our challenge and our game plan, that was perfectly in our game plan. We constructed our defense to have Brian on Tony late. So when they run this play, Brian's going to be over here. Then we switch. We've got them in a position that we want to be in. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking when when we saw it, hell yeah, we got we got we got um, Bron on on Tony. I live with the results, and he hits the shot. It's like damn, <laughs> you know. And then <laughs> fast forward to that play uh, when Bron threw the lob. I remember just we were we were running the play, 
And then well, I'm going. Ray Allen falls down in the paint, and now there's like six people in the paint, and it completely – Danny Green cheats off Wade because he's in the corner, so it's a yeah. total mess. I mean, they're, yeah, they're all – everybody was packed. And then so Bron throws it, and it just goes out of bounds, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, you've never passed me that – you've never <laughs> passed me that before. I didn't even know that was for me. That was for me. I couldn't get it anyway, you know? And he was like – and it was kind of like one of those moments where you can't argue – there's <laughs> no time for that you know it's just kind of like yo cb what you doing and i'm like what are you doing you know we're just looking at each other like what are we doing you know like and then and that was kind of the moment when it, it shifted from not very hopeful to dismal mm-hmm. you know you yes. could hear it you could feel it you know See? you could fear the air just go out of there oh, it wasn't was- much left but that it was, was whatever was it was left quiet gone. in the chilies it was quiet in the chilies chris <laughs> there's a plate of half-eaten chicken tenders in front of me and i'm like again again these guys are gonna do <laughs> that's <laughs> so that's pretty much what we were feeling man as soon mm-hmm. as that happens it's like oh you hear this collective groan and then we're reliving 2011 and then and I, all I'm, the i can see outside I can see outside of the chilies. You can see fans leaving the arena. People and I don't leaving. Blame them. People leaving, and it's like, oh man! And it's like, it's kind of like this daze. And then, then you get back to the huddle and realize where you are, and you have a and you have a decision to make. You can just panic and start crying right there, or <laughs> <laughs> well, get yourself into the next play. Okay. Man. <laughs> well, so LeBron, LeBron misses that floater. Okay, and it's uh. It's a 92-89 or 93-89 at this point. Okay, LeBron misses the floater. Manu's going to the free throw line. He misses a free throw. And Van Gundy says, or Breen says, Ginobili misses what could be a huge free throw. Okay, he's completely right. (laughs) You guys call a timeout. Spo takes his final timeout. There's 28 seconds left. It's 93-89. And LeBron and Dwayne at this point are just full-on arguing. And you mention it. you You have to make a choice. Something I, I'm fascinated about in this situation with all athletes is how do you how much doubt is creeping in and how are you fighting it? <laughs> I, I, because obviously I'm watching the game and I'm you know I'm a diehard fan and I'm like it's over like they've lost I've yeah. seen a million NBA games and they sure. you know they're gonna play the foul game and it's not gonna work. You you know that how yeah. do you how do you fight doubt in that scenario? You just uh, move on to the next thing. Um, so my personal experience, uh, we go over, um, and me and Spo talked about this because after the series, the next day, uh, I asked him like, "Yo, what was going through your mind?" We all asked each other this question, and then like for me, uh, it's kind of, "Oh no, the shock!" Oh, you start, you know, you start feeling the beginnings of the panic attack. <laughs> but then we went back to the to the um, huddle. I'm I'm just looking at everybody else just to just to see how they're doing. You know, Bron's biting his nails. Yeah, the camera yeah. zooms in on LeBron on yeah. the bench, and they're you can showing see it in just his face. the inside of his nose and his pores. <laughs> I, I'm kind of just I'm 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 punch drunk a little bit, just kind of taking the moment in, and I look at my wife. And, you know, you start to try to look at your family members to be like, you want that look to be, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you want that reassuring look. I needed and that so at Chili's. I just, 
I had tear soaked. You needed that Achilles. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking at you. Get back to those <laughs> tenders, man. You know what I mean? Um, my, my wife, she wasn't looking at me. And so, so then just that moment is snapping me back into what we were doing right there. And so you just do the process. You keep playing the game until the game is over. And so Spo drew up a play. He subbed me out and it's just like, Hey, let's extend the game. We need a three. You know what happens if we don't make a three, but let's focus on this play right now. So everything goes into executing this play right now and supporting this play. And and, and we were just totally in the moment. So you guys are actually down five. I think I said 93-89. It's 94-89. They've gone on an 8-0 run, okay? So you come in off the timeout. Uh, LeBron gets open. Uh, he sets a screen, I, I think, for a back screen for Ray Allen. There's so much attention on Ray. LeBron gets a wide-open look at the top of the key, misses it. Dwayne keeps the ball alive. He gets a shot on the wing, nails it three, two-point game. Uh, and it's funny, on the next uh, on the next inbounds, Duncan's going to inbounds, and mm-hmm. on the broadcast, they're like, I don't like how close those ropes are to Duncan. They're not giving him the room. <laughs> and it's like they keep bringing up the things that are going to be really important <laughs> later. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Kawhi gets the ball, he gets fouled, and it's hilarious because I watched this the same day he put away the Clippers in Game 7. And every time I'm like, give the ball to Kawhi Leonard, what are you doing? This guy's a machine, but he wasn't that yet, obviously. And you could see how young he is in his face. And you could see it, and he looked so nervous headed to that free throw line. And he misses that free throw, and it's that that moment of life, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know you guys, you have no timeouts left. You have to come down. LeBron takes a three. And, you know, Pat Riley describes this play in such beautiful detail in the forward to your book. Um, When you go and get this offensive rebound. And, you know, I've heard you talk about it so many times. The, The thing that always amazes me about that play. So somehow if you haven't seen this play, which I, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know how that's, physically possible but of course it's a play where lebron misses a three-pointer it's rebound bosh back out to allen his three-pointer bang it's the the tie game the tying three-pointer lebron's wide open at the top of the key too and he's calling for it okay yeah so is Dwayne. (laughs) yeah i'm like like, not not way not way (laughs) um like, did you even see those guys at that moment? Did you know you wanted hmm. to go to Ray right away? Like, that was what always blew me away about that play. Because I know the first person I'm looking for is LeBron James, even if Ray Allen's on the court. Right. Like, how did you – was like, was it split second? Did you even have a second to think about it? Is it all instinct? Is it all reflex? How did it's, you know it's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination of everything. Um, it's the training. It's the split second. It's, he was the first – person I saw um I think the other person I saw was Manu which I think I knocked him down going for the rebound but I just felt like a slight nudge in my right side you know that's what it felt like (laughs) and then I looked down and Manu was right there and I look up and Ray big eyes big eyes backing up and and, you know it was right there just and we had gone over plays like that before and you know we always knew that the first mistake that bigs make is dribble it out to the three and just shoot that (laughs) dumbass shot that never goes in and so you know I would like to say I was aware of it but it happened so quick um yeah he was just the first person I saw so I was just grabbing a rebound and I heard him calling me 
as crazy as that sounds, I heard him calling me that quick. And so I saw him and he was, you know, he was bagging up and he caught it in rhythm. Perfect play. <laughs> and and it's really remarkable. You know, Ray's obviously telling him to get the ropes off the court and it's pandemonium. The Spurs want to run the next play immediately, but the refs want to review it. Um, the game ends up going up into overtime. I think a lot of people forget that you guys still have to win that game. A Ray simply tied it. And the Spurs are playing well in that yep. overtime. Like, they respond great to this. Now, here's where, yeah, jump you know, <laughs> yeah, they do. Kawhi, Kawhi bounces right back. He's their best player in the overtime. Uh, uh, he scored four points. They only ended up scoring five. Uh, you get a couple nice shout-outs during the overtime. Chris Bosh doing an excellent job against the pick and roll. Uh, Chris Bosh with some extraordinary plays on both ends of the floor. You have one play where you're switched out onto Parker. You stop him. You stonewall him completely. He dishes back to Kawhi. Mm -hmm. You jump out, challenge a shot. You block a huge Tony Parker shot. I mean, LeBron played 50 minutes in this game. You're pushing 45. <laughs> uh, I think you're up 47. Something that I think people don't, they take for granted when it comes to the big three specifically is, you know, Ray's talked about this. Dwayne's talked about this. That last year they mentioned, like, it wasn't fun anymore and it became so mentally exhausting and... People, yeah. when they talk about fatigue, I, I understand what they're talking about. Because when people talk about fatigue, they always think physically, right? But mm -hmm. what, they don't, what they don't count is the focus and how draining it is for how long you guys have had to focus in these playoff games. And it, the conditions you played under weren't like even the superstars who face pressure now. It wasn't like... Everyone in the world wants you to lose, and your like entire <laughs> life is going to be considered a failure if you don't win this basketball game. And I can't you even can imagine. That. Yeah, I mean that, that's what, that's what, that's at least how like certain bad faith pockets of the media treated it, right? Like, yeah. And you know things have changed a little bit since then, but you know there was so much pressure on you guys. The stakes were always absurd, and I can't even imagine the the mental focus it required in that overtime. Are you like, is, are you even tired at that point? Like how is your mind able to function in those moments? Because you're making, you're switching out onto Tony Parker. You're doing all these things, X, Y, Z. Like how are you keeping your mind sharp in that moment? Because you're also on an emotional roller coaster. Like I'm in this Chili's, I'm hugging strangers, you know, right. we're on an emotional roller coaster. How do you keep your mind sharp in that moment? It's just clinging on for dear life, really clinging on to those hopes that you could still be successful. Um, that's what it came down to. And that's why it was so important to train our minds and our bodies to be able to push ourselves. I talk about that in my book as well. Uh, when you ain't nothing but tired, <clears throat> you're going to have to learn how to push yourself past that empty, you know, sign or what you think is a sign. We were way past empty. And, and just so, you know, just, Every stop was difficult. Every score was difficult. I mean, you're tired, but you're, you're somewhere in this euphoric state of disassociation between mind and body. But you can still feel a little of both. As a matter of fact, I, I know me myself, I was feeling mentally more than anything just because the angst of each play. It was everything was riding on a one point game. Down one, up one, down two, up two. You, you know, it's just like, oh. And, and, you know, just the level of focus that it required to guard those guys. And, you know, and even, you know, okay, man, we've got CB on Tony Parker. He's one of the hardest guys I've ever had to guard. He's so fast. He hits you with like 18 in and out dribbles before he even makes a decision. 
And in that particular one, um, yeah, he crossed me pretty good and he, he got the space. Um, he had hit kind of like a similar shot on Brian a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I knew he was going to pull the trigger. He just wanted space and pull the trigger and he had been, you know, hot. And, you know, I just wanted to make a play on the ball, just try my best to just get a stop. And if we get that, it's like, yeah, like every play was like all the required just so much energy or it took so much energy from you. So, yeah, man, it's just when you're in it, you just find a way to survive. And that's pretty much what it came down for to, to, you know, to force. And so with that said, we just found a way to move on to the next play, find a way to survive. Oh, up one. Cool. That means this up two down. But I do know one thing after that game, I was ready to get the hell out of there. It's like, I want to go home. I don't want to play anymore. We'll talk about game seven later. This shit is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it was the, it, the emotions of that night. I can't even imagine. And, and people take for granted how difficult it is to deal with something like that. Now, you had said before game six was Danny record or Danny Green, who, who gave me nightmares for years. Every time he took a three pointer was, you know, set a finals record at that point for three pointers made. You said before game six. We're just not going to let him score anymore. We're just not going to let him do it. Like someone yeah. asked you and you're like, that's it. That's all we can do. <laughs> and you very famously block him on the last play. You throw your arms up in victory and you can just kind of see the relief on your guys' face. And, you know, Doris Burke does a great job with LeBron in the post game, And I'd never seen him like that before or since. Just he was just like, I think he was like, yeah, I like, couldn't really verbalize what he'd just gone through. Like, yeah, he's kind of laughing. Huh. I'm curious. I mean, I'm, I don't think you, you, LeBron and, you know, D-Wade are, like, texting each other every day. Like, remember that cool game we played in, guys? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but did you guys feel like you got away with one that night? Like, are you back in the locker room like, well, shit, like, that was, <laughs> we got lucky hell, tonight. Like, hey, hell yeah, man. <laughs> And you know what? Like, you know what it means. I mean, really for the rest of the evening, um, you know, we had went during the playoffs. It's just everything is riding high and you're just on this wave. And so we worked the habit of going out to eat after every game. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even talk. I was just kind of just in space the whole time, just with the thousand, thousand yard stare. Just like you guys don't even know what happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this is crazy. We have to win it. It's destiny. But yeah, that never happens. I'm so glad that we were able to focus and execute. That shows you what focus and execution and practice and preparing yourself for the moment can do. But yeah, we got away with one. We're not going to get away with two. And and if and if we won that one, we, we we're destined. I, I just that's what I felt. I said this yeah. is our destiny. We're supposed to do it. I'm 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 confident. Did you? Uh... Have you ever rewatched the game? Like, I'm curious. Like, is it, I, I'm, I, I'm assuming you watch it for. Oh, really? Like, what's that experience like for mm, you when you rewatch it? It's just a trip watching just how close everything is. The chess match. It's like watching old chess matches and hearing it commentated and, and just the stakes, like you were saying earlier. The buzz. Um, you can hear it in the crowd. You can see it. It's just you know, it's the big time stage, and and that's how you you want it to feel if you want to be in a classic and, and, you know, I always wanted to play in a classic series, be on a classic team. It's like that vintage year, you know, it's just, everything is, was just right. You got the whole, you got the greats, you got the future hall of famers and hall of famers. You've got the storied franchises. 
you know, you've got the big city versus the small town or whatever. <laughs> oh, man, you know. This oh, they is, loved uh, playing that up whenever you guys books. were in the playoffs, by the way. It was yeah. like yeah, every other team apparently – Every other team had apparently never signed a free agent before whenever they played the Miami Heat. <laughs> yeah. It was so absurd. I just want exactly. a couple more things, and then I'll get you out of here. Because I want to mention, either way, again, we're doing this because Chris has a new book out, Letters to a Young Athlete. We've referenced it a couple of times. And as eloquent as Chris has been on this podcast, there's so much great stuff in the book, and it's so well done. And like you mentioned, it's not just for young athletes. Uh, it was really wonderful reading this book. Um, so please go pick up a copy. Support my guy, Chris Bosch. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to just do a quick coda here on the big three because that next year, you know, you guys make it to the finals and you really were running on fumes. You know, mm-hmm. I think Dwayne's body obviously needed – he needed to – I think he changed up his training and all kinds of stuff after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you guys looked to me mentally fried more than anything <laughs> else in that in that second Spurs series. <laughs> You know, they came in highly focused, highly motivated, and you guys looked like a team that had been the center of the basketball world for four years and yeah. frankly looked like a little like we can't take it anymore. I, You know, they asked me to write like on the 10-year anniversary of the decision for SI, you know, look back on the big three. And, you know, the question everyone wants to know, like, was it a disappointment? I don't think it was a disappointment. I think it. you guys were so captivating that that made it worth it alone. But... You know, I remember Spo telling Lee Jenkins the summer uh, when LeBron left, like, we had that team and we had it for four years. Like, you know, yeah, we should have gotten more than two. When you when you look back on the totality of that experience now, obviously, that's just one chapter of your life. And I don't I don't think that's the defining chapter of Chris Bosh. You're a young man. You're going to go on to do so many more things. But when you look back on those four years, like, how do you how do you view that experience now? Um, the greatest, I mean, you know, of course, second to Kobe and Shaq, uh, but probably the greatest just atomic bomb (laughs) that the league has ever seen. I mean, so much to the fact, um, to where it changed the game. And, you know, it's a fascinating question. You say, were we disappointed? Yeah, you're disappointed when we lose, but just to see people's expectation to have that question be like, oh, was it a disappointment because you only won two? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we only did. Let me see what the back-to-back Pistons, uh, the Lakers in the 80s, uh, uh, the Clutch City in the mid-90s, <laughs> and the, you know, two Bulls teams and the Lakers teams, the two Lakers teams. Oh, we've only done what, you know, nine other franchises have done in the history of basketball. But, yeah, no, no, no it's cool. making four finals we get even slimmer you know look it it just it's hard and when you get there and and by the fact by the way I'm sure Kawhi will be in the Hall of Fame how many Hall of Famers are they going to have on their team when it's all said and done like six five so yeah we lost to a very very good team you know on on both sets you know um at the beginning and at the end look you just got to go for the ride and if you get it once man, that's great. You get it twice. You're able to defend their crown. We were able to defend our crown, you know, for, for two and a half years, three years. And, and like that, um, that alone, who, who has that experience, you know, nobody has that experience and, and you want to be in that position as a team and say, all right, cool. Well, if, if they beat us then they beat us and you tip your hats to them because you know how hard it is. But for those who know, man, it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do in sports and, and to actually, 
stay together as a team, to stay friends, and and just to have these great memories to look back on and say, wow, nobody has did it like us, and 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 nobody will do it after that. I don't think that'll ever happen in sports history um, again. And that goes to the decision which led to the whatever you want to call it, the parade and all Oh, that I was stuff. there. That was one of you the best things in my was, life. Yeah, I yeah. told people, like, yo, come on. I was just, we were just having fun. I understand the backlash and all that stuff. We were, we were you know, we were younger. Backlash. Didn't really whack. think about it. Whack backlash. But, you know, if you, was, if you were in Miami, if you were in Southern Florida during that time, yeah, come on, man. Oh, come on, That was yeah. like, yeah, that was, that was it was, uh, it, like I say, it was an atomic bomb going off in sports and really in culture. And as we get... Uh, further removed from that, I know we'll dissect it, piece it together, and know like, okay, yeah, that was that, w- that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, hey, Chris, I want to get you out of here on this. Obviously, you know, I write on a smaller scale for a living here. I'm not. I don't have any cool books coming out soon. Like this hot shot over here. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know. You know, I I sometimes when I write, I'm like, wow, this is going to go out in public, and people are going to read it, and everyone's going to judge my work. Yeah. You've lived that as a basketball player and now as a writer. Which one Which one makes you more nervous? Like, how nervous are you putting something like this out there and knowing people are going to read it and have an opinion on it? Is it the more writing, or less nerve-wracking? Yeah, I think it's the writing. The writing is uh, certainly a challenge. Um, you know, I've put – these are things that I don't have to feel. And basketball – you can be, you can guard yourself, right? You don't, you, what you see is what you get. And that's really about it. These are internal thoughts. These are internal struggles and internal beliefs. And nobody has really heard them. I mean, outside of my inner circle. So I'm bringing things to people that, um, that I feel are important that I think they can benefit from because it benefited me. So I want to share so that people can, uh, hopefully use it for themselves. Um, and, and, you know, it, it lasts it last forever. I mean, a book will be on the bookshelf a lot longer than people be watching game film. Unless they bought it, <laughs> you know unless I mean? they bought it on iTunes. Unless they bought it on iTunes. Unless you buy it on iTunes. <laughs> you know what I mean? ESPN Classic, all that good stuff. Unless your old man is just like a fanatic, fanatic all the way. That's the way you only see it. But, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do something. It's all about evolution and growth. And really just the continuation of greatness, you know, and so that's what I aspire to do every single day. And I want people who, who read this book to take from those same principles, you know, aspire to be great every day because one day it's going to be over. But when you look back, you'll be proud of what you did. Awesome. Well, Chris, I know you told me at the beginning you don't take compliments. Well, let me say I know for a fact I can speak <laughs> on behalf of all Heat fans here. You're one of the most beloved players to ever put on the uniform and I don't think that what you've done a, as a basketball player defines your life. I don't like doing that to athletes. You're more than just a basketball player. But I, I know that everyone is so happy for you. It's so great to see you on our TV screens and all the stuff you're doing with the book. It was great to read the book. Um, we're all so excited for this next chapter of what you're going to do in your career, in your life. Um, you gave so many people. I can't tell you how many of those playoff games – I watch with my brother and my dad, and we talk about it to this day. Like, oh, we wish we were all in the same city, like watching the Heat again, or you know, whether you're hitting that game winner in Portland or against San Antonio. Um, you've provided so many of those moments for people. Like, I, I honestly don't know. I see more like Dwayne Wade criticisms on Heat Twitter than I ever see Chris Bosh ones because uh, <laughs> you're just so you're so widely beloved. So. Thank you so much uh, for for doing this, for talking about Game 6, for reliving it with me. Uh, If you have not read Chris's book yet, it's called Letters to a Young Athlete. I encourage you to go 
pick it up and read it. It really is wonderful. Chris Bosch, everybody, thank you so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.